My name is Deacon Nelson. I'm studying to be a priest. Hopefully I'll be a priest this coming summer. I've known Father Joseph for many years. We were in seminary together, together for a couple of years. And uh, I have the privilege of being out here with him th- these weeks and celebrating Christmas with you. But I must say, it wasn't always this way. I wasn't always in a close relationship with God and pursuing the priesthood and even living a life of prayer and a life of, of sonship, of sonship of the Father. I didn't always accept my relationship with him. For many years, I was just a, a Easter and Christmas Catholic. I grew up in a Catholic family in a, in a Catholic country in, in Brazil, and then I moved to Ohio for high school. And so I was always in a Christian and a Catholic context, but I wasn't practicing the faith throughout the year and not throughout the weeks and not throughout the days. I was, I was living my life as a practical atheist. Even though I believed in God in my intellect, I would say, yes, God exists. And if somebody asked me, does God love you? I might say, yes, God loves me. But I wasn't really living that out. So as I lived my life, I wasn't living as if God existed. I was living more as an atheist. And the reason why I share that, because this isn't the time to, to talk about myself. This is the time to talk about the birth of Jesus. But the reason why I say that is because this is not just my story. It's the story of all of us. It's the story of mankind. It's the story of, of men and women going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Because if somebody asks us, what is... Christianity about? What is Catholicism about? We might be inclined to start with, well, it's about the actions that we do. It's about going to Mass and going to confession and praying the rosary, or maybe it's about keeping the commandments or even doing good things to others, feeding the the hungry and clothing the naked. We might say that's what Christianity is about. But if we start there, we're missing the context. What is the why for all these things? Why do we do all of this? And that's that's what I want to focus on. That's what we call the kerygma. The kerygma is just a fancy Greek word for proclamation, the proclamation of the gospel. The story of the gospel is the reason why we do all of these things. And that's not a fable. That's not a, a made-up story. It's the story of reality. It's the story that God, who is a loving father, created all of us, created his children, not for no reason and not just for our, an arbitrary purpose, but to share in his life. That's why God created us. And we see a reflection of this in families. Families, especially good, good, healthy, integrated families, the parents have children in order for the children to share in their lives, in order for them to grow together and live in harmony and unity with each other. That's why God created us, for us to live in harmony with Him. But unfortunately, that's not all there is to it. There is a second part to the story, which is the fact that the enemy, the fallen angel, the one who didn't want to live in this way with God, he was not only, not only did he not himself want to live in this way, he didn't want anyone else to live in this way either. He was too envious to allow for that. So he went hunting. He went hunting after mankind and he succeeded. And what he did was he captured humanity. And so now, many years later, thousands of years later, thousands of years later, When we are born, we're born into this condition of being captured by the devil, of living in prison, in bondage, by the enemy. And that's why humanity is not in such harmony with God. That's why our communities are not in harmony with God. That's why our families have divisions within them and not living in harmony with God. And it all stems from our hearts not being in harmony with God, not being in unity with with God. Our hearts are captured and living in bondage. Well, that's really sad. 
God doesn't want it to be that way. God was not happy with this event, with this reality. And so comes the third part of the story, which is the fact that God came down to earth to rescue us. His rescue operation, his rescue mission to liberate us from that bondage. And that's what we come to celebrate at Christmas. Is Jesus Christ, God himself, the second person of the Trinity, becoming man, assuming human nature, in so doing, uniting human nature to divine nature, redeeming it from within, and now giving us a gateway, an entry point, a bridge to enjoy that harmony with him once again. I'm going to give a few images to make this point. First, recall D-Day. We've all seen pictures of D-Day. April, June 6, 1944. We've seen the soldiers coming onto a beach. And if we just see that picture, just that frozen moment of these soldiers coming onto a beach, if somebody asks us, what is that about? Do we start by saying, oh, it's about a group of men going on vacation? They're just coming to enjoy a nice afternoon at the beach. No, of course not. We know why these men are coming. We know they're coming to fight. They're coming because an evil ruler has conquered an empire, or excuse me, a continent. And that ruler wants to conquer the whole world. These men are not wanting to let that happen. So they're coming to fight. They're coming to give up their own lives to end this destruction and to liberate the people of that continent that have been set captured. He's, they're coming to set them free. Now, what if we look at a, at a nativity scene, like the one we have here? We see the angels and the shepherds, and we see the magi, and we see the animals, and of course we see Mary and Joseph, and we see a baby lying in a manger. If somebody asks us, what is this scene about? What is happening here? Why is this baby lying in this manger? Do we say, oh, it's because he's coming to fight? Yet that's precisely what's happening. Jesus Christ is coming to fight for us. And he's going to fight by giving up his own life. And that is how he's going to rescue us. That's what this manger is about. Let me read you a couple of scripture passages. The first one is from the first letter of St. John. He wrote, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of the devil. The works of capturing us. Jesus Christ is coming to destroy that. From the book of wisdom, for a while gentle silence enveloped all things. And we all know the song Silent Night. We know gentle silence referring to Christmas. And night in its swift course was now half gone. Thy all-powerful word leaped from heaven from the royal throne. Jesus is the word of God. Leaping from heaven into the midst of the land that was doomed a stern warrior. This is the Holy Scriptures describing Jesus as a stern warrior coming to fight for us. C.S. Lewis wrote, 
Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise. Disguised as a baby. That's very important for us to understand not only the beginning of Christianity, but also the everyday living of Christianity. And I'll get back to that in a second. Why, why Jesus comes in disguise. But you see the point here. Sometimes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer us a challenge here. We all know that many people have left and are leaving and will leave the church and will leave Christianity. Especially many men. Many men, many young men have left, are leaving and will leave Catholicism and Christianity. I propose that one reason, this is a challenge for me as well. One reason is because we tend to only present a version of Jesus that refers to him as being loving and merciful and kind. And thanks be to God for that, because Jesus is all of those things. But that's not the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is also a warrior, a fighter. Jesus is strong, and he lays his life down. That's the summit of masculinity. And if we in the church don't present that side of Jesus, young men are going to look for that elsewhere. Because every young man needs that example, needs that role model. And if they don't find it in the church, they're going to find it in the culture. Because there are successful men in the culture, pop stars and athletes and businessmen. In order for them to succeed in their fields, they have to have these characteristics. So now they become the role models. And if they are virtuous, then they may lead those young men to God. And thank God for that. But if they're not, they'll lead them away. So just an aside here as to, as to how we present Jesus. We need to present the fullness of Jesus, both loving and merciful, but also strong and a warrior and a fighter. Okay, think about the movie Taken, if you've seen, if you've seen that movie. Movie from 2008 by Liam Neeson, or the, as the main, the main actor, Liam Neeson. And the movie is, is, a, is a strong movie, it's a powerful movie. It's, it's rated PG-13, but I actually, I think it should pr- probably be, be rated, rated R, so I don't necessarily recommend it. There's strong violence and other things in it. But if you haven't seen it, this, it's a story of a retired CIA officer who retired because he wanted to spend more time with his teenage daughter. He had lived a life, a very difficult life in his, in, as a CIA officer, and now he wanted to spend more time with his teenage daughter. Well, in the beginning of the movie, she's kidnapped. She's taken. And as this happens, he gets on the phone with the kidnappers. And they don't say anything on the other side. But he knows they're on the, they're on the other side. And he delivers the following, the following paragraph. And unfortunately, I won't give such a good delivery as he does. But I'll just read, I'll just read what he says. If you've seen the movie, you know. How, how powerful of a scene it is. But as I read this, yes, this is a, this is a fiction story. It's a story of, of a, a father going after his daughter. But there is a reflect, it, it reflects the Christian story. It reflects the Christmas story. God the Father going after his children who had been taken and being taken by an enemy. And so as I read this, see if you can hear not only the Father in the story, but also God the Father talking about us and talking to our enemy. He says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have 
is a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will end you. Here's this long pregnant pause in the movie. Us waiting for the enemy's response. And he says, good luck. And hangs up the phone. And now we're at the edge of the seat of our seats, following him as he risks everything to rescue his daughter. And I'll spoil the movie, but I don't feel bad about it. The movie's been out for 15 years. What happens at the end is he does, and he does come and find her. He succeeds in his mission. She is on a boat in the belly of the whale with a very evil man. And he come and rescues her. And there's this powerful scene where she looks at him in the eyes and she's in tears. And she runs to him and hugs him and she says, Daddy, you came for me. And he responds, I told you I would. That's a reflection of God and us. God coming after us to rescue us. That's the third part of the story. Now, the story doesn't end there. My homily is almost over, but the story doesn't end there. The fourth part of the story is that we have to respond because God loves us too much to force any, any of this on us. If somebody forced you to love them, would that be love? It's an invitation. God invites us to live in a relationship with him. And so we come to Mass on Christmas morning to celebrate this fact, the fact that God has come down to earth to rescue us. But now as we go back into our lives, we have a decision to make. Whether we're going to accept this gift of salvation, whether we're going to accept the fact that God has come to rescue us, or whether we're going to go back and continue to live in bondage, continue to live as men and women who have been captured by the enemy, continue to live as Christmas and Easter Catholics, Catholics, continue to live as Christians who maybe even come to Mass every Sunday, and sometimes even every day, but then go back to our lives and live as practical atheists, living in bondage throughout the rest of the day. That's not God's plan for us. God's plan for us is to live in freedom, to live with Him, to live in love, and to enjoy the fullness of life. That's why He came. I'll just read as a final note here something from St. Leo the Great, from his Christmas sermon. St. Leo the Great, and you can look this up on the internet, sermon by, Christmas sermon by St. Leo the Great. It's worth spending a lot of time with. But I'll just read the last, the last section. Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness 
and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Through the sacrament of baptism, you have become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not drive away so great a guest by evil conduct and become again a slave to the devil. For your liberty was bought by the blood of Christ. So as we go forward here in this Mass, and as we go back to our lives, we can continue to celebrate this gift of Christmas, Him coming in disguise in the manger, but also Him coming in disguise in another form, in the form of bread and wine. He does this on this altar every day through the hands of the priests, and He will do it again in a few minutes. And if we can open up our hearts and just say to God, God, I welcome you. God, I want you to come into my life. God, I want you to free me. He will come. He will do it. He will say to us, I told you I would.